You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Let me ask you something. How many of you would consider yourself in a situation, oftentimes in a situation, uh, where, I'll, I'll just put it this way, where your spirit gets grieved by something. Um, so maybe it's work, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's school, maybe it's even uh, with some family that you need to see every now and then. Uh, but things that you hear, things that you see, things that uh, you just kind of have to be around, grieve your spirit. Anybody? Anybody at all? I had a feeling it wasn't just, because I, I, know, I know when you work in the secular world, it's just, it's a part of it. Uh, I get that, but I, I know many of us don't work uh, maybe in a situation like that, but still, uh, it's just living in uh, a world that does not care about following what the Bible says, does not care about obeying what the Lord says, can get difficult. And especially on, uh, on a Wednesday, you could come in, like I said, with some heavy hearts. And so I had something happen to me uh, about a week ago, and the Lord gave me this uh, text here, and uh, it was actually right in my devotions right around that time. Psalm 137 is where we will begin, but then we're going to move to another spot here. And the thing about this message is I think it could apply in many different ways. I think it can apply if you are going through chastening right now as a Christian. We preached about that uh, maybe three weeks ago. Despise not the chastening of the Lord and how the chastening means that you're his child uh, and that he loves you and that he wants something best for you. Uh, Sometimes we face chastening as Christians. Sometimes we face trials as a Christian. Chastening is meant to correct you. God gives chastening and it's meant to correct. God allows trials and that's meant to bring that horrible word, patience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and why does the Lord always bring trials? It's because we're not very good at patience. All of us need patience. But then there's, on the flip side of it, there's some other things that we run into. That God allows and nothing happens that doesn't come through the hand of God, the, the, the gateway of God, if you will. But sometimes we face temptation. Temptation that is only meant to do one thing. It's to bring us to sin and to bring us to fall. Sometimes we face persecution. That's only meant to discourage. And that's really what I'm preaching on tonight. I think the message can apply if you are going through trials and if you're going through chastening, if you're going through temptation. But especially I want to focus on those of you who may be facing some persecution right now because you've made a decision recently in your life or a long time ago in your life and people around you don't understand it, don't seem to get it, and don't seem to want to let you alone about it. There's always something to say, always a question to ask, always always an ulterior motive behind everything. You know how it is. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. In Psalm 137, let's start reading in verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon. Good place or bad place? Picture of of the Christian life or picture of the world? Yes. 
There we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Good place, bad place. Good place. Picture of heaven. Verse 2, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. In the midst of Babylon. Verse number 2, we hanged our harps upon the willows. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. The Babylonians came up to these Christians, or these Israelites. want you to sing for us. They that wasted us required of us mirth, or happiness, joy, gladness. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Would you read verse 4 aloud with me? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How am I supposed to do this? My message tonight is pick up your harp again. Pick up your harp again. In verse number two, they hung them up. They hung them up. Because they're in the midst of a bad place, a, a, a place that all throughout Scripture was a picture of the world. God's people right in the middle of the world. And the world is egging on. Sing us, why don't you sing us a song? Why don't you show us what it means to be a Christian? Why don't you show us what it means to praise the Lord? And they ask, how, how are we supposed to do that? It's possible. It's possible. Heavenly Father, help us tonight as we look at your word. Bless the reading of your word. Bless this message tonight with your Holy Spirit's power and guidance. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, uh, when was it? A week ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, a week ago tonight. So, I, I drove from here after I uh, said goodbye to the Providence Baptist Tour Group and uh, drove up to San Antonio. Uh, I, I hate driving. I hate road trips. I've told you that. And um, usually I listen to an audio book. I didn't do that this time. So two hours, two hours to the airport, San Antonio. Now you're going to look up on your GPS and say it should take two hours and 15 minutes. And you're going to know that I did not. Need... Anyway, so just don't judge me. We're going to move on from that. And said, okay, so two hours to get there. That is eight 15-minute Three Stooges episodes. So I just pulled those up and had those playing. I wasn't watching them as I was driving. I just had them off to the side, and that's what kind of kept me up. Finally got there, got there around, I think, 1.30, and uh, went to sleep. Woke up the next morning and uh, got a text on my phone that my flight had been delayed, so I wanted to figure out any, any way maybe I could fly into, instead of flying into San Jose, maybe I could fly into Sacramento or something. Uh, and while I was waiting, uh, I just kind of had to sit and uh, wait in line and um, talk to somebody. And, and right behind me, there was a group of three or four men. And they taught me many different possibilities of grammar and syntax and curse words. Uh, I mean, they could be, they, they were used as adjectives, adverbs, nouns, pronouns, uh, direct objects, just everything. Uh, every single combination, they were right behind me using that. There were kids, women walking around. You know, men used to have more respect than that. But we have a lack of manhood in this country. 
moving on. So I had to deal with that, finally got up there, and they're going on the whole time, and then I needed to wait. I had to wait until I could speak to somebody, so I just went off, and 30 minutes turned into 45 minutes. And guess who was right next to me the entire time waiting the same thing? The entire time, I had to listen to that. And they're not only using foul language, they're talking about foul topics. And I couldn't move. I had to stay right there. Had to stay right there. Didn't have my headphones. My headphones were all the way back in the car. I literally, once I was done, once I was done, I had to go be by myself. Had to go be by myself for a while. And, all, and just, like, reboot. And then I remembered so many of my people. I, th I thought of you. So many of my people, you deal with that every day. Every day. You go to work with coworkers. You go to you. Maybe you see family that just. I mean, it's just a constant bombardment on your spirit. And you know, I there, here was the thing. I woke up that day, really wanting to have a good day. It was going to be a good day, even though my flight was delayed and maybe I would get into California a little bit later. I wouldn't be able to spend as much time with Pastor Atwood as I thought I would. It was going to be a good day. And I, I was praying the entire time, Lord, let me sit next to somebody on the plane. I want to I witness to him. I want to lead him to the Lord. I want to tell him that Jesus loves him and died for him and uh, was buried and rose again so that they can trust you. I want to speak to that person. I was going to get my, my study done. I was going to write my Sunday morning message. I was going to continue on my uh, outline for 1 Samuel. Every, everything was just going to be good. And in 15 minutes... In 15 minutes, standing in line, not even counting the hour that it seemed to be where I was around him, in 15 minutes, my spirit went from here to about here. And it's not that I wanted that to happen, but it's like there was a drill boring a hole in my heart. I dealt with that when I first started working at Elgin Country Club, and I would go to the caddies, and we would all go to the caddy shack, or we would go to the... Uh, to the restaurant on the 11th, uh, on the, uh, the 12th tee, and we would get our hot dogs and chips and just listen to junk. And they knew I was a Christian, and they used that to their advantage, should we say. And then I went from ECC, and then I went to Chase, and I remember within maybe a month's time, some of the Christians there, and I'm not just talking about Baptists, I'm talking about anybody who showed any type of faith, any type of belief, was silenced. Can't talk about that, can't hang it up in your cubicle. No, you can't do that. It might offend somebody. And then two weeks later, we get this bright rainbow email. We encourage everybody to go to the special printers at Chase, because, you know, Chase is hurting for money, of course. So there was uh, only the inkjet printers, the black, the black and white printers that we could use, you know, us peasants in the cubicles that call people. But no, you are allowed to go to the special printers for color so that you can print off this special rainbow flyer and put it up in your cub cubicle that says, I am proud to be an ally of the LGBT community. I went straight to the black and white printers and I printed off proud to be a Christian. 
and put it right there. I still have the sign, by the way. I went to DeBry University, and I remember a lady looking at me and saying, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes. And I said, I'm taking it from your tone that you are not. And she said, no, I'm not. I'm an atheist. And I said, okay, why are you an atheist? She said, religion is a crutch. And I tried to explain to her my faith, and it, was, it wasn't a, it was a, <laughs> and you know, I wish that didn't get to me. But it does. It does. And I thought about you. I thought about kids here who have to go to public school. You see things that you never wish to see. You hear things you never wanted to hear. You hear language that wrenches your heart. You know how it is. Sometimes you get songs stuck in your head that you don't want stuck in your head. And honestly, there are times it gets to be so bad, their influence gets to you. I remember there was a time at True Green, Luke Putnam was here last week, and he told you about our boss. Yes, we called him the Greek fireball. He was about this tall, you know, super high voice, and just, just constantly, you know, just pure energy. And there was a time to shorten a long story, because I'm really good at that, to shorten a long story, um, I made a sale, and the person misunderstood me, uh, and I sold him four applications of our product. He thought I sold him eight. No, you only paid for four. You're not going to get eight if you only pay for four. So how the boss took it and how the coworkers took it was an opportunity when this man called in and he said, I want to speak to the manager. I want to speak to the boss. This man told me that I was going to get eight applications just so that he could get me to sign up. They literally hung up the phone and said, oh, the Christian boy lied. The Christian boy lied. Look at him. He can lie. He can lie too. He makes mistakes. He's human too. And they all mocked and laughed. I should have walked away. I yelled back. I yelled back for a long time. I got called into his office, chewed up one side and down the other for insubordination. He told me to go home early that day. And I remember driving home thinking, Lord, what in the world am I doing? I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be different than them. I'm supposed to be influencing them and they got to me, and I look more like them than I look like a Christian. And that was just one of the many times, I think, I felt like these people in Psalm 137, surrounded by the world, mocking them, jeering them. Why don't you show us what it means to stand for the Lord and praise the Lord? And instead of doing it, they were so low, they were so beaten down, they just hung up their harps and asked, how, how? How am I supposed to do that? I can't do that. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How are we supposed to praise God when we're surrounded by enemies, people who care nothing about our God? How are we supposed to praise God when the only reason people ask about our God is so they can mock us and laugh at our beliefs? Why do you wear that dress? Why don't you go to the theaters? Why don't you drink alcohol? Why don't you do drugs? Why don't you do those things? And when you legitimately tell them, I don't need drugs and alcohol to have fun in my life, they laugh at you. 
thank God this world is not our home, but we still have to pass through. And let's be honest, it's not easy to keep our song in a wicked world. And sometimes it seems impossible. How are we supposed to keep our song when we're surrounded by wrong influences? How are we supposed to keep our song when we're surrounded by wicked sights and sounds? When we're bombarded with cursing and blasphemy? When we're so often pushed to our limit by people who only wish to make us snap under pressure or get us to doubt what we know is right? We can come to the place when we do what these Israelites did so long ago. We hang our harps on the willows in the midst of the world. Your body is tired. Your heart is heavy. Your spirit is so grieved because of the trouble around you. You hang up your heart. You lose your song. You lose your smile. You lose your joy. And you ask, how shall I sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Now, I can't make you, but I hope to encourage you to pick up your harp again tonight. I'm not asking you whether or not you can make it through. I know you can make it through. God wouldn't put you in a position that you couldn't make it through. But this is more than just making it through. Even though it's hard, even though it's dark, even though we're in a strange land, as Christians, we should not just seek to make it through. We should seek to praise through it. To have a good attitude through it. To have a good spirit through it. To let your light shine through it. To be different through it. That's hard. There are times when you can wake up in the morning and think, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to deal with that person. I don't want to deal with that boss. I don't want to deal with that situation. I don't want to deal with that music. I don't want to deal with that position that I have to be in. But I'll do it. But I'm not bringing my harp with me. Okay. Psalm 138. Can I give you, I, I hope to give some reasons to pick up your harp again. So look in Psalm 138. Do you think that this is a coincidence that in Psalm 137 we have the question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And in Psalm 138, 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the who? Before the gods. Little g, big g. Even if it was big g, there's only one. Before the gods. You know what this tells me? Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. This tells me praising God in a wicked world is possible. It may be easy to ask how. How is it supposed to happen when we're so surrounded by all of this? But David says here, I'm surrounded by the gods, I'm surrounded by the heathen, I'm surrounded by the, the powers of this world, but I have determined to praise the Lord. It's easy to praise the Lord in church. But what about at work? It's easy to praise, it's easy to praise the Lord at home. What about at public school? And David is showing us in scripture, praising God is not always easy, but it is always possible. Psalm 146.2, while I live, will I praise the Lord? As long as I breathe, I can praise, I will praise. I will, praise, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Whenever we are not praising God, it's not because we don't have a way, it's because we don't have a will. Even in the midst of persecution and trouble, surrounded by the worst of this world, before the gods will I sing praise unto thee, David says. Look at verse 2 and 3. 
of 138. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answeredst me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Praising God in the world is not only possible, it's proper. God has been too loving, too faithful, too trustworthy and reliable and gracious and merciful to not sing praises unto his name. Verse 4 and 5. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Praising God in this world is possible, it's, prof- it's proper, it's purposeful. When you bring your harp along with you, it's so that people can see God has brought a difference in your life. And maybe, just maybe, they'll ask, who is that God? Tell me about him. And this time it's not just to get a joke, or maybe they start with thinking it's going to be a joke. And how many of you has it happened? The same person that mocks you, the same person that makes fun of you, as soon as they fall into trouble, who do they come to? Because they know there's something real about it. When the world hears our song of praise to God, they too will come to join in the song. But the question still remains how. David shows us it's possible. I think we know it's proper. I believe we understand that praising God in a wicked world is one of the greatest ways to win the world. I think we understand that. But there are situations when it just seems more fitting to hang up the harp. Not in the mood. Not in the mood to praise. Not in the mood to sing. Just get me in and get me out. But I love the word that both verse 6 and 7 begin with. What is that word? Though. Word that's easy to, to just kind of pass by, but it's an important word. We use the word though when we seek to relay an idea of something happening against the odds. Though Goliath was a giant, David won the victory. We use that word, though, when we're trying to describe a situation that we can't fully understand or explain. Though he was late for the interview, he still got the job. Though the Dallas Cowboys have had a good roster, they still haven't won the Super Bowl since 1996. That's when we use though. And in verse 6 through 8, I see David saying, even though this world makes things difficult, even though I'm before the gods, before the heathen, before the wickedness and and, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places, here are some great reasons to pick up your harp and keep singing and praising the Lord. Number one, there is no situation where God cannot see you. This is not going to be some chandelier swinging, wow, deep, no, 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 let's get down to basics here. There is no situation where God cannot see you. Now, that will not only help you get through, but I really think it'll help you praise on the way through, especially the last one. I have four tonight, okay? I, I really think the last one will help. But number one, there is no situation where God cannot see you. Verse six, though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. So at its core, the word respect, re, again, spect, to look. At its core, it means to look again. 
but then also it has the connotation of regarding something or admiring something or appreciating something. So David is saying against all odds, even though we can't fully understand it, we can't fully explain it, even when we feel so low and unimportant in this world, God sees exactly where we are and he knows exactly what we're going through. This world has a way of making us feel like we're all alone. Satan has a way of making us believe that God has forgotten about us. But we have a promise of God's word here in our hands, even though he is high, even though we seem so, we, we don't seem so, even though we are insignificant compared to him. Even though he is almighty and we are lowly, there's not one place in this universe, there's not one moment in time when God does not see exactly what you're going through. And he doesn't just see it, he regards it. He admires it. He appreciates it. He looks again and again and again to check in on you, make sure you're all right, make sure that you know that you can make it through no matter where you are. Read Psalm 139 on your own leisure tonight. Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. You've beset me before and beneath. Read it together on your own time. So here's what I'm trying to bring out in this first one. Before you decide to hang up your harp because of a wicked world, would you consider picking it up again because of a watching God? knowing that he is watching and caring and seeing you and regarding you and, and appreciating your situation. He sees your situation at work. He sees your situation with your family. He sees your situation at school and with your old friends that won't leave you alone. Don't ever believe the lie of the devil that God does not see and know and care about his children. He knows exactly what you're going through. Not only does God see what you're going through, he goes further than that. The Bible so often brings out contrasts, especially when you're reading in the Proverbs. But do you see the contrast in, in verse 6? Do you see the contrast there? Where does the contrast begin? It begins with one word. But. Okay? So that conjunction there, okay, is a conjunction of contrast. You're talking about one thing, and then you say the word but, which means all of that is going to be opposite or in contrast to this. So, though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. God resisteth the proud, giveth grace unto the humble, or unto the lowly. But do you see the contrast here? So if God is saying, the proud people I hold at a distance, in contrast, what does that mean he's doing with you? He's right next to you. Right beside you. The entire time. Number two, there's no situation where God cannot strengthen you. The first part of verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Now, do you notice the tenses in, in this verse? Though I walk, present tense, in the midst of trouble, future tense, thou wilt revive me. Maybe the only thing happening right now is trouble at work, trouble at school, trouble with your family, constantly being mocked, constantly your spirit is being brought down, 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 down. But you can rest assured, he can give you strength and revival when nobody else can. We talked about this in Sunday school recently. All of us will face times in this world where we honestly don't know how we're going to make it another day. 
You say, my soul can't take another battle. My heart can't take another mocking. My spirit can't take another beating. It's like everywhere I turn, there's another battle to fight with the world. And as soon as I win one, two more pop in its place. I just don't feel like picking up my harp today. God sees that. And he knows how you feel. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isaiah chapter 40. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, why do you say, my way is hid from the Lord? Why do you say, my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the, world, uh, of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Listen to this. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Even the strongest in humanity, even, even the strongest, the youths are going to run out of strength at some point. You're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a point where you cannot go any further. It's not a matter of you having more strength in and of yourselves. Sitting in that airport listening to that junk and being bombarded in my spirit and being brought down lower and lower and lower and lower. It wasn't a matter of me conjuring up more strength on my own. It's a matter of trusting that if I'm going to make it through this, if my day is going to shift, if I'm going to pick up my harp again, it's going to be because the Lord gives me strength to do so. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. He sees right where you are. He understands precisely how you feel. And therefore, he knows exactly what you need to make it through another day. But, let's remember, even if our strength was perfect, have you ever woken up in the morning and you're at about 5%? You do that with your phone. Don't you wish that you could have some type of meter you know, you got a good sleep. You're at 98%. Woo! If we had a mirror, mine would be broken. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, why wasn't I plugged in? But, or maybe you forget to plug your phone in at night, and you get in the car and you go to work, and you're at 11% or something. Have you ever felt that way spiritually? Man, you wake up in the morning and it's just, no, no. Wouldn't it be nice to wake up every morning at 90% or 95%, just one day, just one day at 100%, just once. It never happens. And we wake up feeling low, low, low. But even if our strength was 100%, there's still no way we could ever overcome this world on our own. I, to be honest, when I woke up that last, last week, I was at about an 80, 85 Good day. Even though it was 5 in the morning, the coffee and the Red Bull probably helped. But it was about, about an 80, 85, 15 minutes later because some men who couldn't watch their mouth. I was dragging. So what in the world? The things that they said, the things that they were talking about. That's my generation. You know, it's a humbling thing. 
to realize even if we were at 100%, there's battles we could never win. There's emotions we could never control. There's enemies we could never overcome. It is a humbling thing to realize how vulnerable we are. How, how completely vulnerable we are. That's why the Bible says to take on the whole armor of God. Because without it, we don't stand a chance. The devil is extremely accurate. There are mornings when we feel we can charge the gates of hell itself, but then by the afternoon we've run into so much wickedness and trouble, we're in the depths of despair. I'll tell you, there are some Sundays where people are saved and people are baptized and people join the church. I, I'm so excited I could punch a goat. And I just want to keep preaching and I just want to keep singing and I just want to, are you up for another one? I don't know what I'm going to preach, but I want to preach it again. And I, I, just, I, I don't know what to do. And then I wake up the next morning and the devil fights so hard on Monday, I honestly feel like crawling into the corner of my closet and crying and hanging up my harp. It is so easy as humans to be on the mountaintop and be brought down, especially in a wicked world. Even when I have strength, I'm no match against this world. Even if I had the strength to fight the battles, in my life, until I died, I would need more. I need more to find victory. And that's number three. There is no situation where God cannot save you. What's the first one? He can see you. He can strengthen you. He can save you. Look in the last part of verse 7. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall Save me. When you look at the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this. He says, okay, I'll do it. Lord, I'm too weak. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You just keep trusting. You just keep praising. You just keep praying and obeying. And I'll make up the deficit. When trouble surrounds you and even your best effort is not enough, when the devil is you cornered, he tells you, give in. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. We may be troubled on every side, but don't be distressed. We may be perplexed, but don't give in to despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We may even be cast down, but we will never be destroyed. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You know, I wish I always had the strength to fight. Now, look at me. I'm not a fighter, okay? The Lord didn't bless me with muscles. I've only gotten in, I think, two fights in my life. None of the fights with the brothers count, right? I don't think that counts. That's just expected. Um... I would say I got in one fight in my life that wasn't planned. And it didn't go well for about 95% of the time. And then I closed my eyes and threw a punch and it really hurt. And I ran. So, look, I, I wish, but, but here, here's the thing. Okay, I'm not a fighter. I have a black belt in Taekwondo. It means nothing. It means nothing. You know. Um, it's basically bragging rights is all it is. Um, Where's I going with this? Oh yeah, so I'm I'm not I'm not a fighter. I'm not interested in fighting anybody. You know, <laughs> if I picked a fight with McKenna, I might lose. 
but I love fighting the devil. I love that. Because with God behind me, I just, ooh. And that's why I'm not going to fight with you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather punch him than punch anybody. I love fighting him. You know, I wish I had the strength all the time to be on the offense. And there are times when I'm up here and I'm preaching and I feel like I could just, whoa. Sit the devil down right here. I want to talk to him about something, right? I, I, and there are other times when I just, ugh, I can't always fight. But when you can't fight, stand. Okay? Stand. Churches are in trouble because they stopped fighting, and now they're not standing anymore. They're backing away. Oh, gray area. Oh, gray area. Oh, gray area. No, 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 no. Doctrine. Doctrine. Maybe you can't fight all the time. Stand. When you can't stand, lean. When you can't lean, kneel. You can always kneel in prayer. Or sometimes you don't even know what to pray, do you? Lester Roloff said, there are some things I don't know how to pray through, but I can always praise through. Because he sees you, and he will strengthen you, and even when your strength is not enough, he says, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. That's who he is. Being, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Bible says, lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. Now, do you see how this can apply to a lot of different areas? This can apply to trials. This can apply to, uh, to any hardship that you're having in your life. He sees you. You may as well be his only child. He loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. He can bring strength to you. Stop depending on strength from other people. We just, moving on. He, he can save you when nobody else can save you, but here, here's the, the last one that I really think will help, especially in this area of persecution. When your spirit is just being ground down into the floor by the world because of what you believe and who you are. Here's the last one, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. You know what that word perfect means? It means to complete. What God has begun to do in your life, he will complete. He will not begin to lead you. And we're just going to have to pay extra attention. Don't worry about it. We'll just have to pay extra attention. He will not begin to lead you and then suddenly abandon you. He will not promise to save you and then fail to fulfill his promise. He will not encourage you only later to cast you away. Philippians says, be confident, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Number four, there is no situation where God cannot sanctify you, purify you, grow you, teach you, whatever you want to say it, but all my other points had S's, so I used the word sanctify. 
The fire of this world may be hot, it may be intense and unrelenting, but the flame shall not hurt thee. God only designs thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. You know that wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw those boys who were going to stand up for what they knew what was right, or for what they knew was right in the midst of Babylon, and he comes at them and says, nope, this is the way it's going to be. And you see what he, do you, read it, read it in Daniel. And you know what he does? He gets all of the government officials. He gets the law enforcement. He gets all of the high-ranking people in society on his side and says, this is the way it's going to be. You don't worship any other god anymore. You worship the gods of this world. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no. And he turned up that furnace seven times more. And some of you, that's how it feels. You go to work and you make a decision. Your boss comes up to you and says, I want you to do something a little bit unethical. And you say, no. And instead of him leaving alone, suddenly the heat comes up. Or you say one thing. Can we turn that music down? Can we not use that language in front of me? And they turn the heat up. Oh, you think that's language? Am I the only person that's ever happened to? And they turn up that heat because you know what they want to do? I won't stand on that. You know what they want to do? They want to destroy you. They want to destroy you. They want to consume you. They want you gone. They don't like what you stand for. They don't like how, how you make them feel. They don't like it. Get rid of it. But the very fire that Nebuchadnezzar meant to consume those men purified them, set them apart, made Nebuchadnezzar realize these men aren't alone. They have somebody behind them. They must have somebody who sees what they're going through. They must have strength from somewhere else. They must be saved from somebody else. Who is this? Didn't we just throw in three? There's four. When you're at work and you say, I'm all alone. No, you're not. There's two. There's at least two. You have a church behind you. More than that, you have a God behind you. And that very fire you might be afraid will consume you might just set you free. I could walk up to many of you here tonight and place my hand on your shoulder because I know you're in a situation where it's difficult to pick up your heart. It could be at work, could be at school, could even be at home where you find yourself struggling to keep your song. And for some of you, it has been years that we've been praying about this together. It's been years. You've told me about a situation at work. You've told me a situation at home. And here is where I really hope to help you. Even though you know he sees, even though you know he brings strength, you haven't, there, that's the only way you've made it this far. And there were times when there was nothing you can do and he saved you, but you still lost your song. There are still days when you hang up your heart. And here's why. Because you say, Pastor, it's been days, it's been months, it's been years, and the situation isn't changing. The battle isn't changing. The enemies aren't changing. The people that afflict me aren't changing. The family that mocks me aren't changing. The coworkers that target me aren't changing. The classmates that attack me aren't 
changing. No, but you are. You are. Look at how much you're growing. Look at how far you've come. Look at how much you're changing. You are the one God is perfecting. You are the one that God is working on. Look at how much you've learned throughout this time. That's why you can pick up your harp. That's why you can still sing even before the gods. That's why David ends the psalm in the way that he does. He says, Lord, if you are seeing me and strengthening me, and if you will save me even when I can't save myself, no matter what the situation is, and, and if I can see how even in trouble God is molding me and making me to be more like him, Lord, if that's the case, forsake not the work of thine hands. Keep doing what you're doing in me. If this is what it takes, don't stop doing what you're doing. And in the meantime, I'll praise thee before the gods. I'll praise thee. Because I've called unto you and you've answered me. We've all been in a situation where it seemed impossible to keep our song. And we can go for a long time with our harps hanging upon the willows. But if you could know, if you could know that God sees right where you are, if you could know that he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. If you could know that even when your strength fails, he will bring salvation. If you could know that while the world is persecuting you, he is perfecting you. If you could know that, would you pick up your harp again? Would you not just go to work tomorrow? Would you praise while you're there? Would you not just go home and muddle through another day, would you praise the Lord for the day that he gives you? When you go back to school, public school, the school that you don't want to go back to, would you not just hang your head the whole time? Would you pick up your harp along with it and show people, even before the gods, that we have a Lord who is worthy to be praised? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.